turning your Bibles, if you, if you have a Bible, turning your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Joshua. If you don't, it's okay. We've got the scripture will be up here on the screen behind me. We just finished a message series last week on marriage. We talked five weeks through the series. Had a great time. God really uh, did some amazing, amazing things. And we're kind of in an in-between state now. We've got a kind of, uh, some standalone sermons for the next two or three weeks. And then in November, toward the middle of November, um, we're going to start a new series through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to cover almost every chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. It's something unique to what I've ever done before. Normally, our message series are five to six weeks. So this is going to be several weeks across many months, all the way from the beginning of November through Easter, which is April next year. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, and you're going to see the ministry of Jesus up close and personal. You're going to see Jesus as never before, and it's going to be exciting. But for today, we're going to talk about the, um, uh, the ideal of courage, the call to courage. If I've learned anything uh, for the decades that I've been a Christian, since becoming a Christian at age 17, if I've learned anything, it, it is that God has always um, given us new and next levels of faith to push into. There is always a new adventure of faith. And sometimes those adventures are adventures of the heart, where God is trying to grow our character. He's convicting us of sin, possibly. He's leading us uh, and showing us attitudes that are not pleasing to him. He's helping us to be more patient. He's helping us to be more loving. Those are attitudes of the heart, adventures of the heart, and those are steps of faith. And maybe you've got one of those today. Other steps of faith are steps where we need to turn to people in relationships and make things right. We need to do better at our marriage. We need to do better at friendships. Um, It's about decisions of work and career or school. All those things are adventures of faith. Here's my point. With every one of those adventures of faith, there is a measure of courage that we must have. In fact, I would say it like this. You cannot have faith without courage. Faith is not a passive sitting. It is an active willingness to go where God wants us to go, to push into areas of the unknown and to leave what is familiar and known and to go in these great areas that are somewhat risky and scary, and that's why it takes courage. And so I want to launch the sermon today with a question. What do you think is the most common command in the Scripture? And I want to tell you, when we think about the most frequent instruction that God gives to the human race, it might surprise you. It is not, be more loving, although that's important. The most common command in Scripture does not have to do with resisting pride or to stop judging other people. Again, those are important. The most common command in the Scripture is found in two words, fear not. Fear not. And it's repeated over and over again in the Old Testament and New Testament. As God comes to his people and he shares with them a future that he has for them, he says to them, fear not about that future. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. This is what we're going to read in Joshua today. You can trust me. You can count on me. God says, fear not. Now, fear is kind of a universal deal, right? All of us have fear to one degree or another. Author Dave Barry put it like this. He said, all of us are born with a set of instinctive fears, fear of falling, of the dark, of lobsters. I don't, maybe you have a fear of a lobster, I don't. Fear of falling on lobsters in the dark, maybe. 
of speaking before the Rotary Club and of the words some assembly required. Dads fear that every Christmas time, right? So we all wrestle with fear. You've got your kind of set of fears as well. Now, there is such a thing as good fear, right? There are such things as good fears. Good fears help us to draw appropriate boundaries in life, to respect certain things. Good fear alerts us to real dangers. Good fear teaches us not to touch the hot stove. Those are good fears to have, but there are many bad fears that we face in life. Bad fears paralyze us from pursuing what we ought to do. Bad fears are distorted fears where we fear taking appropriate risk. And for today, what we're talking about is those risks and those fears that we have that prevent us from following God and the future that he has for you and me, this future of faith. So today I want to talk to you about this thing called courage and to overcome the bad fears in our lives that keep us from God's plan. God has a plan for us in our lives. Individually, you've got to know that sitting here today, God loves you. He has a unique plan specifically for you. He has a purpose for you, one that will be fulfilling, one, will, one that will um, uh, allow you to experience God's design for your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose. God has promises, all these promises found throughout his word. As your loving Heavenly Father, that he will provide for you, that he will meet your needs. But I want to say to you that in order to activate the reality of his plan and the reality of his promises for you and me, it means faith, and faith means courage. So we don't often experience God's plan for our lives. We don't often see the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives We don't follow, we don't trust, often because of fear. And today we're going to look at someone who exemplifies courage, who is not without fear. Remember, courage is not the absence of fear. It's not. Courage is when we feel fear and yet we push through that fear to experience the right thing and what we ought to experience. So, Courage is the will to overcome fear, though fear is present. And Joshua provides a great example of it for us. In fact, in this first chapter, you're going to see the word courage all throughout this first chapter. So look in Joshua chapter 1. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you verse by verse through verse 6. Each verse gives an example of when courage is necessary. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, look at what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So he's qualifying who Joshua is. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that Joshua was essentially Moses' assistant for a few decades. Joshua was one of the guys who served alongside Moses in his efforts to um, help the Israelites in the wilderness wanderings, in his efforts ultimately to lead them into the promised land. Joshua was always there. He was an eyewitness to all these occurrences in the nation of Israel. And as a young man, he served alongside Moses. 38 years before this time, Joshua was one of the spies that went into the promised land to spy it out, to check it out. And he, along with one other person out of all the other spies, he, along with Caleb, came back and said, we can do this. We should take the land. But of course, the majority was paralyzed with what? Fear. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 
not being able to achieve the God-honoring future. Why? Because they didn't have the courage to overcome their fear. They didn't have the faith. And so for that period of time, they wandered in the wilderness, and Joshua was, was there as a part of all this. And, and the Lord comes to Joshua and he says, listen, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now let's stop right there because this is big, okay? 430 years, the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. God raises up this man called Moses. You know Moses. I mean, Moses is a bigger-than-life kind of picture. I mean, he's one of the heroes of the Bible. Moses with the staff. Moses who stands up and he parts the Red Sea by the power of God. In the parting of the Red Sea, the Israelites walk through, in escaping Egypt behind them, walk through on dry land through the Red Sea to the other side. Pharaoh's army comes into that dry land in the Red Sea, and God does an amazing miracle. He drowns the Egyptian army, and their power in the Red Sea. It's the critical moment in the history of Israel. Joshua was there to witness this, and the man who had led that effort is dead. And so God's very first words to Joshua are this, Moses is dead. And I wondered, Joshua knew that Moses was dead. <laughs> why, would he, why would God come to Joshua and say, listen, Moses is dead? Well, here's why. Here's why the scripture makes the point of stating Moses' death again. Why are these the first words to come from God to Joshua? It is because of this. It takes courage to break free from the past. It takes an amazing amount of courage to break free from the past. It's what I like to call the paralyzing power of precedent. Precedent being that thing of experiences and events in our past that seem to cut a path for us into the future. Because of the experiences of our past, these seem to be the way that we will walk into the future. There are examples, there are experiences, and they provide this path to walk that can almost be a rut because of what we experienced in the past is what we'll, we will experience in the future. The past tends to determine the future is the idea. And precedent, those experiences in the past can paralyze us to the future that God has. And God comes to Joshua and says, listen, Moses is dead. There is no more Moses. And you are to fill his shoes. Can you imagine how intimidating that was for, for Joshua? This is Moses. This is Charlton Heston. You know, I mean, this is, this is Moses. And Joshua was always, you know, kind of in the co-pilot chair. He was never, he was never driving the, the bus and now God is saying, it's time for you to drive the bus. And so there's this vast history that comes to this moment. And God is reminding Joshua, Moses is dead. You're the man now. And despite the past and despite what I did through Moses, I want to do something for you. And it took courage for Joshua to do that. I want to say that to you. Because he had a whole history of being second fiddle. And now he was to step up. And I can imagine for those 40 years, he became quite comfortable with the second chair. The ideal here is that the events of the past, certainly the failures of the past, can often dictate to us what we perceive the future will be. 
Isn't that true? When we failed in the past, and maybe we've repeated some failures in the past, it's hard to believe that we won't repeat those failures in the future. It takes courage and faith not to believe that. So that's true for the disappointing events in our past, which Israel had many. I mean, they had many. But it's also true for the good events and the miraculous events of our past. Even the good things in our past can keep us from pursuing the better things of our future. And this is so true for the people of Israel as well. It was true for Joshua. I mean, there were great times where God worked miracles. The plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the deliverance from Pharaoh and from Egypt. The manna that God had provided for them. The Ten Commandments. I mean, these were amazing kinds of things where God worked through Moses. And so Joshua might be thinking, well, we need another Moses, not another Joshua. But God is reminding Joshua that his future is not dependent upon his past. God had to remind the people of Israel about this all the time. In fact, later on in the book of Isaiah, I want to read a passage for you. Isaiah 43. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up here on the screen. But in Isaiah chapter 43, now remember, the people of Israel, again, are in captivity. They're under pagan domination. And so God raises up the prophet Isaiah to speak truth to power and to speak truth to the remnant of the believing Jews who were still around. And God does an amazing thing as he speaks to the prophet Isaiah to this remnant of people who are still trying to cling and hold on to their faith. In verse 16 of Isaiah 43, here's what the prophet says. Thus says the Lord. Now, he's going to qualify who that Lord is. The kind of Lord that is speaking. Thus says the Lord. Who is that Lord? Well, let me tell you who he is. Thus says the Lord, the one who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth forth chariots and horses and army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. What is he describing? The Red Sea. The army, the chariots, the horses. He made a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, and they lie down. They are extinguished like a wick. A great miracle, the primary miracle in the history of the nation of Israel. Now they're conquered Now they're dispersed. And God is saying, this is the Lord who did that. Next thing he says, though, verse 18, remember not the former things. What? You mean forget about the Red Sea and what you did back then? I can imagine the people of Israel, this remnant that were in Isaiah's time, thinking, oh, if we only had a Moses... Oh, if we only had a, a dry sea, only if we had a Red Sea moment, that kind of thing. God says to them, remember not the former things. Do not consider the things of old. Some of your translations will say, forget the former things, forget the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Listen to this. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I can't tell you how convicting that is. Jesus said to the disciples, do you have eyes but not see? Do you have ears, but you don't hear? Can you not see the new work that I want to do because of the good work that I did in the past? I'm doing a new work. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For, listen to this, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my praise. Here's what God is doing. 
in the past, God put dry land in the water. The Red Sea, God dried up the middle of it. They walked through it. He put dry land in the water. In the future, God's going to put water in dry land. He's going to put a river in the wasteland and streams in the desert. Here's the point. In the future, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I did in the past. Do you not see it? Can you not perceive it? No, you can't because even the good things that I did in the past are blinding you to the better things I want to do in the future. Don't hold on to the past. Folks, many times we we live in the past with respect to our faith. Faith is a present tense active thing. It is in the here and now, not in the past. And so we had experiences in the past, and that's kind of where we live from. I'm saying to you, God has new adventures for your future. And it takes faith. And because it takes faith, it takes courage. And God is saying to Joshua, be courageous. Be strong. I'm doing something new. Secondly, look in verse 2 of Joshua chapter 1. Now, therefore, based upon what he had just said, Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Other translations say, get ready, get prepared. Arise, go over this Jordan, cross over this Jordan River, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. Now, you know, so Moses had led the people finally up to the precipice of the promised land. Here they were. They were on the edge of crossing into the land that God had promised them, this vast land that he had given them. It took them 40 years eventually to get to the point. A whole generation of people had to die off who would not believe Joshua is now the new leader, and they are about to go into the promised land and to conquer it. And God is saying to him, listen, get ready. I'm going to do something here. Get prepared. And here, here's the point. It takes courage to prepare for something that God has promised. I think we need to value the preparation stage of faith more. In preparation... Think about it. Preparation is the action of faith. It's where we are getting ready. It's where we are doing something that one day will come about. It's a very mature thing to do. It's doing certain things in today's world based upon the promise of what will occur in the future. It, it, it is delaying gratification today in order to fulfill the promise later on. That's what faith is. That preparation stage is very important, and yet we tend to underestimate that in the faith journey, don't we? We don't like that stage very much. We don't value the preparation stage. It's because it means doing things that one day will matter, that one day will pay off doing things that one day will lead to victory. And yet I want to say to you today that some of you may be in the preparation stage. Have faith. and Have courage. God is positioning you and preparing you today. The life you're living today is your life. It is the opportunity today for courageous faith. No matter what you're doing, it's the opportunity for God to work. It takes courage to prepare for that thing that's promised. Next, verse 3. 
God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. (laughs) I love the reminder back to Moses all the time. Just what I did with Moses, I'm doing with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Look at verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, this is in the south region, as we understand, the Israelites crossed over just north of of the Dead Sea. They crossed over the Jordan River right there kind of in the southern area of the Canaan area, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, that's to the east, all the land of the Hittites, that's to the north of this vast area, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, that's in the west. So all these directions, this vast scope and this vast scale of land, which, by the way, is much, much more than what Israel has today. But this vast amount of land, God is going to provide for the nation of Israel. Here's what I mean by that. It takes courage to possess more than you've ever, ever had before. I mean, they were living on crumbs. Remember manna? Every morning they wake up, God would provide this thing called manna. We don't know for sure what it was. Manna burger, banana bread. It was some kind of food, some kind of sustenance for them. They never had a home. Never in their history had they had a home. 430 years in slavery, all the way back to Abraham, Abraham himself who wandered. Never ever having a home. Now they were to have a home, a piece of property and identity, and that new land would provide a new identity to them. So here's what I mean by that. The very first step to their courage and faith is that they had to believe, Joshua had to believe, that this actually could happen. And don't jump past that too quickly. They had to give themselves permission to inherit what God had promised. And until they gave themselves permission to receive this new time and this new season of abundance where they were just getting by, just surviving, now God had provided this land flowing with milk and honey. Here's what I mean by this. It's the inherent fear that some of you have. It's the fear of success. I know dealt with it myself. For some, it's almost the fear of being happy. There's a guilt that plagues happiness for you. And it's odd. Because God wants to provide his promises to you. He, he, wants, he wants you to experience fulfillment and happiness. Yet the very things that you do undermine your own success and happiness. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here today. I know that God sometimes has us walk through times of trouble and hardship and challenges. I understand that. But I want to say this also. There are seasons of time also, seasons where God has us walk through times where his provision looks different than what it did in the past. And For some of us, we have a hard time embracing that. I share with you that God is about an adventure of faith. It's been true for me for all these years since I was 17. I'm going through a new one. I shared it with the elders. We're praying together. 
God is churning up new things in my life right now. And part of that churning means for me to embrace what he wants to do, even though it may look different than what I've ever experienced before. To give permission for that to occur, provided it's really him. And this was true for Joshua. Courage for him means means that things can and will be different for him. We've had to experience it as a church. Years and years and years, we were a small congregation. And, you know, over the past four years or so, it's just been an amazing kind of meteoric kind of thing that's occurred. But we learned, we learned not to despise being small. We learned that it was okay. We learned to focus on just being healthy rather than worry about numbers and getting bit. Just to be faithful, just be healthy so we didn't despise being small. And how that has served us today, it, it helps us to not define ourselves by getting larger. I'm happy that God has grown our church. I'm happy that you're here, I tell you. But honestly, I had to get to the point where I didn't care whether you showed up or not. (laughs) I do love you. (laughs) But you know what I mean. There's a striving that accompanies life sometimes where you're trying to dictate outcomes and make things happen. And God had to teach me to let go. And the irony is, is when you learn to let go, you're finally to the point in your mind and heart where he can let you have. And the having doesn't make you any different than when you didn't. It's the beauty of receiving God's promises. It's all about him, which leads to the last thing here. It takes courage to believe that God will uniquely use you. Look in verse 5 and 6. God said to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why is God speaking such courage into Joshua? I I have to guess that it's because he may have lacked it. All of these reminders to Joshua that, hey, things are going to be okay. I'm going to be with you. That's what he says next. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. (laughs) I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, Joshua. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. It's what many Christians need to hear. Get past the wimpy faith that you exhibit. Be strong, be courageous. And it takes courage to believe that God will uniquely use you. This is what Joshua was going through, an identity crisis of sorts. And God is ministering to him in that. I tell you, it didn't last long because if you read the rest of the book of Joshua, he was strong and he was courageous and he led these people. So similar to the past, what we believe, not just about the events and experiences of our past, what we believe about ourselves in the past, please hear this. You come to this room having a sense of identity, a sense of experiences that have shaped and formed you. Here's what I want to say to you. That identity that you've had in the past may not be what God has for you in the future. 
See, God is not just asking us to do different things. He's asking us to be different people. Who you are in your past may not be who God wants you to be in the future. And faith means opening ourselves up to that possibility. Here's what I mean by that. Years I felt like I needed to be someone else. Years and years, so insecure. I'm still the most insecure guy in this room. But it was debilitating for years. God's work in me was for him to say to me, Mike, I don't need you to be anybody else. I don't want you to be anyone else. I have made you. I have created you. I have given you gifts. You don't need to be Billy Graham. You don't need to be someone else. Be you. Be the best you you can be. Celebrate that. Let me use you. And for some of you, you're in the same situation. Some of you, fear has caused you not to push into the future because you just can't see yourself in that role. Some of you have turned down serving opportunities in the church. Some of you have turned down leadership possibilities because fear has gripped your heart. You said, I just couldn't ever do that. Here's what we learn from Scripture. It's found all throughout. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do, what you can't do. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. It's about a capacity for growing faith that says, despite what I feel about me, I'm going to trust you to do something in me and through me that I could never, ever do on my own. Guess who gets the credit when that occurs? Not you. God gets the credit for that. He is glorified. And you're just, you feel like an instrument. You you, you go, I don't, it happened. God used me. And because you know it's not you, you say all glory and all credit and all honor to you. So, how you doing in this thing called courage? Here's the deception, folks. The myth is that you think sitting and hearing a sermon is faith. It's the furthest thing from it. God is calling you to do something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's in here. Maybe it's between you and somebody else. Maybe it's out there. I don't know what it is, but I know he's got some kind of adventure of faith for you. You can count on it. He does. So what does that next step look like for you? As we close today, I want to show you a video. It's a baptism video. Precious depiction of people who have taken that next step in their lives. And the thing that I love about baptism we're going to have next week, is that it's a visual and material symbol of God's work on the inside where people have said, I'm trusting God to the point that I'm going to step out in faith. And it's a milestone. It's a marker of his work that we all get to celebrate. It's a powerful illustration of faith and courage. So let's watch it.
this is Julie, and uh, what a testimony Julie has. I have always believed in God. I thought maybe he was uh, angry at me for some of the choices I had made. Since the birth of my son four years ago, I knew I wanted to start going to church. I didn't have my daughter involved in church when she was younger and didn't want to make the same mistake with him. All right, this is Madison Procis, and we call her Maddie, right? Yes. She goes by Maddie. Of course, her mom, Julie, is being baptized. Then the tragic fire happened on May 31st. I personally know one of the severely injured from our school days. What struck me and has stayed with me to this day is how the family has relied on their faith and accepted this as God's plan and that no matter what the outcome, they accept it. And then when I read his update, I think he had a, a setback, but to hear Jackie's um, just so positive and just, you know, the Lord loves us and this is was meant in our life. It just overcame me. I got upset. I got sad. And then I just, it just happened. I don't, it's hard to explain. It just started happening. I just started praying like, like I was breathing. I started praying. And ever since that night on my couch, I just, you know, laid it all out there. And I just knew it was going to be okay. And that the Lord loved me. It was just a different feeling than I've ever experienced, ever. So next steps for them was to join a church family, to identify with Christ publicly, to make their public profession of faith. That was their next step. Your next step may be to walk through that thing of becoming a part of a community group where you really get to know some people. It's scary. It's risky, I know. But you go, and God ministers to you. Promises are fulfilled. Here's here's the point. If if we don't do different things, we will not experience different things. So how's it working for you now? Maybe it's to turn to your wife or to your husband and to make things right or to walk across the hallway into the cubicle of someone in your office place to talk to them about your relationship with God. I don't know what it is, but I know he's got one for you. May God give us the courage to take that next step. Let's stand for closing prayer. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe for you, the next step is the first step. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Today, you recognize 
that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. That Christ has died for you. He stands ready to forgive you. And so your next step would be to trust Him as Savior. What would courage look like for you, not next week, but for today? Father, help us to do today what should be done. If not now, then when, Father? When will we be obedient? When will we step through? And I pray, Father, that just as with this man named Joshua, who was full of insecurities, who had a past that tried to dictate to him his future, yet who was strong and courageous, help us to be men and women of strength, courage, and most importantly, true faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.